People are so hungry for meaning in what they do day to day because we're wired to have a direct impact on our environment. And the modern workplace, with its bureaucracy and often demeaning options for work, can keep us from having or seeing that impact. But your desire to enjoy what you do and to see the fruits of it is natural, it's sacred, it's non-negotiable, it's wonderful. And you deserve that. Everyone does. Welcome to A Wild New Work, a podcast about how to take wise, soul-centered action in your work life and in your organization, all based on the wisdom of nature. I'm Megan Leatherman, a career coach, mom, Virgo son, and cancer rising, living in the Pacific Northwest, and I'm your host today. Hi, friends. Welcome back to this community and little um, shelter that we're building for one another. Um, I'm really excited to check in with you today. It's my favorite time of year. It's Virgo season. It is that beautiful transition from summer to fall. Um, and I'm excited to share some thoughts about what that means for us uh, as people and as working people. Um, and I encourage you to just kind of check in with the wisdom of this time and notice what the natural world is doing around you. Um, I recognize that that can be a painful process when we're seeing the impacts of our society's choices on the environment, right, through the wildfires that are happening throughout much of the West Coast, um, the, you know, hurricane and storms that are hitting the Southern Coast, um, and just the, I mean, we see the impacts of our choices on the environment every day, um, but it seems especially obvious and painful to look at right now. Um, but I encourage us not to look away and to also see the beauty that is all around us, the um, the starchy vegetables that are coming in uh, and that will sustain us throughout the winter, the corn, the sunflowers, um, these crops that, you know, work with the cycle of the seasons and the sunlight and can teach us a lot about how to be sustained in difficult times. You know, right now we are in the process of kind of soaking up the last of what the summer season has to offer really noticing what has come to fruition, what's grown, what's blossomed, what's produced, um, what didn't do well this year, um, and what has yet to, to come into itself, what has yet to grow and, uh, and be seen. So we're in that process of kind of observing and making notes and um, discerning where our energy needs to go in this next upcoming season. So that is what we're going to cover today um, and a lot more. But before we dive fully in, I want to share two announcements. Um, one is that my digital course Restore is now available. Uh, so this is an eight-week course that's designed to really bring deep restoration to you and to your career. Um, it's a self-guided course and it's hosted online and it's a version of the intensive program that I walk one-on-one -on -one coaching clients through. And what I really love about this is that it's a hybrid model. So you are doing the work on your own and on your own time, but it also includes four check-ins that you will fill out along the way. And then I get to record an audio response to those check-ins with my reflections, guidance, encouragement, resources. So it's self-guided and you're doing the learning, but you're also receiving coaching all along the way. Um, which I have found helps people stay accountable and actually finish the course. Um, it helps them widen their perspective because you are getting an outside 
perspective on the work that you're doing. Um, and it will also include access to the community that's starting on September 8th called Cedar Lodge. And I'm going to give Cedar Lodge its own mini episode in the coming weeks because there's a lot to it and a lot I want to talk about. But essentially, this is going to be a new community for working people who want to have a meaningful impact in their career. You know, we all know that we need change in the world right now. There is a lot of work to do. Um, and we don't always know where to plug in or, you know, we're trapped in work that feels meaningless and we don't know how to, you know, cultivate the energy to do the work that feels like the work we want to have or want to be doing. So how can we support ourselves financially and do incredible work that we're proud of and that actually helps us collectively, you know, create a culture that is caring for all? Um, and that's that's the question that Cedar Lodge is here to answer and explore. So stay tuned. Uh, we go live on September 8th, sort of a soft launch for the first couple of weeks, and then we'll really dive in on the autumn equinox on September 22nd. Um, finally, I just want to ask you that if you enjoy this podcast, if you like this episode, um, it would mean a lot if you could just share it with someone today. You know, A Wild New Work operates entirely by word of mouth. I don't do any advertising. Um, and so your, um, your sharing of this work is incredibly valuable and I would appreciate it so, so much. So with that, why don't we do our opening invocation? So wherever you're, you are, you can kind of settle into your body, get comfortable, and you can just sort of let these words roll over you. May each of us be blessed and emboldened to do the work we're meant to do on this planet. May our work honor our ancestors, known and unknown, and may it be in harmony with all creatures we share this earth with. I express gratitude for all of the technologies and gifts that have made this possible, and I'm grateful to the Native people who are the original stewards of the land that I'm on. So here we are, like I said, in the final part of the summer season. The fruits are slowing down, the light is waning, the days are getting shorter, the mornings here are cold. We are in transition in the natural world, but we're also in incredible transition socially, culturally, and many of us personally. Um, I want this became very clear to me recently because I, um, my partner and I decided we would try and plant sort of a fall garden. We we, you know, with like a newborn and a toddler didn't get our act together to plant in time for the summer, but we would like to try this fall. And, um, you know, I'm just paying very close attention because, uh, you know, I've already made missteps. I don't know exactly what I'm doing. Um, I'm sure I didn't really do it right or choose the exact right plants or plant them in the right way. Um, but, all I can do really and what I've sort of resigned myself to is trying to just pay very close attention every day, noticing what the plants are doing. What does the soil look like? What does it feel like? What is the light like? And really just trusting that I can figure it out and that we will figure it out together. Um, and so I would just encourage you to keep paying attention to keep feeling the pain of the injustices that we're seeing to keep liberating yourself and others to get out in community to enjoy the fresh air, you know, protest, start a garden, um, just keep 
going in whatever way feels an integrity for you. Um, because if you sense that change is afoot, you're not alone. There's already been a lot of change already. Um, but I, I just keep hearing from people who also have this sense that um, even more is coming and that things aren't completely clear yet, right? The summer, we haven't seen everything that's going to grow this season and there's going to be even more in the fall. Um, and so we're just paying attention, right? And we're tweaking and making changes as we go. The sun is in the sign of Virgo from now until the autumnal equinox, which is on September 22nd this year. And after that, it will move into the sign of Libra. And the autumnal equinox is an important day. Some traditions see it as the height of the autumn season. Um, I and many others see it as kind of the beginning of the season. And you can decide, you know, whatever makes sense for you in your ecosystem. But however you view it on a just concrete level, it's the day in which there is near equal daylight and darkness. So in June, we cross the summer solstice, which was the longest day of the year, and the autumnal equinox is the midpoint between then and what will be the shortest day of the year on the winter solstice in December. And the year I was born, um, I was born actually on the autumnal equinox. And for me, that feels like an invitation to really get comfortable in the unknown, in the mysterious process that takes us into a new season. So since I won't have a full episode out until after the equinox, I want to share some ways that you can observe it if you would like to. And I encourage you to, to just do something that kind of marks your crossing into this new season. Um, and I'll also go into more depth about this live on a call for Cedar Lodge members later this month, so you can tune in there as well. Um, I like to use this day, the equinox, and the days around it, right? It's not just, you know, on and off, right? This seasonal transition is ongoing. But I like to use it as kind of a reset button and a chance to check in about three kind of overarching questions. The first is what came to fruition this summer, what did you learn? What did you get to fully experience? You know, what, what fully grew and blossomed and was enjoyed or seen in its fullness? And two, what still needs more time to grow? What are you still learning about? What are you still curious about? What kind of, where are there unknowns in your process or in your growth right now? And finally, what needs to be composted? What's not useful anymore? What needs to be given away or recycled or, you know, buried? Um, not in a way that's like throwaway culture, like that's just not useful to you anymore, but in the way that, um, you know, a peach tree is done producing fruit, you know, how can we nurture that and kind of give it what it needs to be dormant now um, and let go of that growth process? So you can do whatever feels like a helpful reset to you. I encourage you to reflect on some of these questions, um, but you could also just very practically use this day to kind of reset things in your home, um, cleaning or getting out some fall decor. You could um, amend your garden or give it what it needs for this upcoming darker, rainier season. You could get out some of your favorite sweaters. You could, you know, pull out your favorite blanket for the cold weather, even if it's not fully here yet, right? Um, this is just an act in kind of acknowledging what's to come and working with the natural cycles that are underway. 
You can also set intentions for the autumn season. Um, so you can think about, you know, what do you most want to experience in the next three months in the midst of the vibrant colors that we're going to see, the cooler air, the shorter days, and, you know, plant these intentions, put them up around you, check in with them regularly throughout the season. Uh, and it, that's a really lovely way to work with the cycles of the year. So today I want to talk a little bit about the sign of Virgo and what I think it has to teach us um, and talk mostly about labor and impact and the fruits of our work lives. So Virgo is an earth sign and it comes from the term virgin, which actually had less to do with sexual inexperience and more to do with a person who is whole in and of themselves, right? Who is complete in and of themselves. And in ancient Rome and Egypt, where this term and this astrological sign were sort of studied or um, thought about, this constellation rose at the same time that the wheat was being harvested. So the process of harvesting wheat is really tied up in the wisdom of this archetype. And harvesting wheat requires you to have an intuitive knowing or connection to the land so that you know when the best time to harvest is. It requires the discernment, you know, to know what part of the plant is useful and what's not. Um, maybe some of your crop is ready to harvest and some is not. So it requires us to pay attention and be wise. And then it also requires the patience and the diligence to actually separate, you know, the seed of the wheat from the chaff, from what's not useful. So inside of this season, we really have the opportunity to learn about our sacred work, what work feels meaning, meaningful to us, how to work in a way that's not depleting, how to attune to the shifts that are happening inside of us and inside of our ecosystems. And all of this allows us to do work that is impactful in the ways that we want it to be, right? When we're wise about it and attuned and discerning, our labor can become a help to ourselves and to others. And when I say labor, what I mean is the energy that you expend on causing something in the world around you to change. It is incredibly meaningful, and it's actually a basic human need to affect change around us, right? To cook our own food, to arrange our home the way we want, to speak and be responded to, right? My my little boy, Kylan, is learning this right now. He's learning, you know, that when he drops a toy, it makes a sound or, you know, mommy will pick it up for him or he reaches and he wants to be able to touch everything around him and manipulate it, right? We need to know that we can affect change on the world around us. It's inherent. And your labor as an adult now, your labor is the work that you do to meet your needs and enjoy your life, Right. Ideally, that is a joyful experience in and of itself, and ideally it leads to greater connection and nourishment for you and those who share the environment with you, right? In a perfect world, the joyful labor then results in positive impacts for you and those around you. And to kind of help us learn more about this, I want to talk about the labor of our ancestors or the way that our ancestors, quote unquote, worked. Um, and for this to make sense, I just want to invite you to kind of let go of the idea that progress is linear and inevitable in history, right? I don't, I don't know about you, but I grew up believing that we were at the height of 
well-being and ingenuity and wisdom in our culture, right? That the way we have it now is literally the best it's ever been. <laughs> um, which then once you realize that that's not the case, it's it's laughable. But it is, I think, a belief that many of us just carried unconsciously. Um, but I want you to question that like, and, and understand that progress is uh, cyclical. It's not linear. Um, there's a lot that we do today that probably is really wonderful and the farthest we've gone as a species. Um, and there's a lot happening that it should not be considered progress, right? Or is not enough or is not better than the way things used to be. Um, so what did labor look like before agriculture, before capitalism? For our hunter-gatherer ancestors, which is all of us, that's kind of how humans evolved, um, labor looked like hunting and gathering food, preparing the food, setting up camp, making clothes, making pots, etc. The work was communal. It was seasonal, right? Because they were dependent on the natural world. So they had to be very attuned to what the world, the natural world was doing. Um, and they also worked a lot less than most of us work today. From the research that's available, what I've learned, a lot of it, which is a lot of it is on hunter-gatherer cultures that still exist today. And in them, work is really limited to a few hours a day. It's not this eight-hour grind and then you come home and have to make dinner and do laundry and all of that. It's not 40 hours a week uh, or more, right? Hunter-gatherers, you know, do the work that's right in front of them to be fed. And the rest of the time that's not where there's not work actually required in front of them is spent being in community, in leisure, um, in creating culture through art, music, or ceremony. Okay. And if you're, and I had this too, if you're reacting to this and saying like, no way that can't be true. Like life used to be so hard. Like just hang on for a minute. I'll address that in a second. But I want to say that the other thing that's really interesting about how labor was exercised in our history is that the labor you exerted resulted directly in your nourishment and or the nourishment of your community. Okay, so there's a direct relation between you and getting what you need, but it also inevitably had a positive impact on those around you, including the ecosystem. And so I'll give you a small example. Like, let's say that you're a member of a hunter-gatherer tribe, and part of your role is to go gather, let's say, huckleberries. So you and, you know, maybe other people that you share the tribe with or that you're in the tribe with, you go out, you use your body, and you pick huckleberries to eat. You exert the labor, and you get the berries, and then you get to eat them. And by eating those berries, they go, you know, in your body, support your body. And then later when you excrete them, you spread the plant seeds, you help the plant to continue growing, you help its species. So simply by existing and meeting your needs, you have a positive impact on the world around you. And that's because you're in a healthy relationship with it. You are part of the harmony of the ecosystem. So I don't want to totally idealize this way of life. You know, no doubt it came with hardships and there's a lot we have nowadays to be grateful for. But if we go back far enough, our ancestors most likely lived really lovely lives most of the time. And, you know, 
by being super attuned to the natural world around them, they would have had a lot of choices about what to eat. They would have had healthy, uh, varied diets. There was ample fresh water to, to drink, fresh air. They used their bodies in their work, right? So they're not sedentary. And they didn't live in isolation in these tiny, you know, pods, either themselves or like us, you know, just living with our spouse and kids, right? So there was a lot to admire about that way of life. And I think a lot that we're missing out on by not living in that way anymore. And just, you know, I'll stay with this for a minute. Let's contrast that way of life with what our labor looks like now, okay? So with the advent of capitalism in the 15th century or so, and you can learn more about that in the last episode, episode 31, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes, um, our ancestors, because of, you know, the way capitalism evolved, it had to evolve by cutting people off from the land that they had been working with originally. So our ancestors were no longer allowed to hunt, gather, or grow food on the land themselves because that land was being privatized by those who had a little bit of wealth already, which and they eventually became like the landlord class or the, the landed class. So as people were separated from the land and unable to just get what they needed directly by working with it, they had to go work for those landlords or employers in order to earn wages, okay? So now their labor is given in increments of time in exchange for money, which they then had to use to purchase food or shelter or clothing. So rather than just building a house themselves or sewing their own clothes, first they had to go exert labor for some other cause that they may or may not have cared about and then get paid and then use that money to meet their needs. And this is where we still are today. <laughs> um, and I know there might be more like frills around it. Uh, maybe a lot of us actually do care in, in many ways about the work that we do. Um, but there are still a lot of people who are working in sweatshops or really demeaning places where they do not care about the work being done. The work itself might be incredibly meaningless and useless or even harmful to them and the environment. Um, and they have to do that in order to earn a wage to meet their needs. And we all do in this culture, unless you have, um, unless you already have money and, and aren't required to work. But even then that money has come from the labor exercised by people who, uh, really didn't have a choice about that. Um, so today there is still this humongous intermediary between us and our labor, and the ability to meet our needs, right? There's us, then there's wage labor, which we have to exchange our labor with. We have to earn money through that, and then we can have money to meet our needs, okay? Rather than before when it was just we exerted the labor and got got what we needed, right? We went out and got food. We went out and got water. We, you know, uh, we would skin an animal to make clothes, Right? Almost everything we need nowadays in order to survive requires wages in order to be purchased, right? Our housing, our clothing, our food, even our water. The only things I could think of that weren't commodified are sunlight. <laughs> and even then, if we move to full solar power, you know, then you're going to need to pay for the sunlight that, you know, generates energy in your home. But for now, sunlight, oxygen, and like human connection, which even that is tenuous because um, with COVID and the way our society is set up right now, it's like 
sometimes we do have to pay for human connection, right? Like I pay my therapist to talk to me and to support me, right? So a lot of what we need has been commodified and we have to pay for it. Our ancestors would have seen this as completely absurd, right? Because it makes us dependent on employers or those who can pay us for our labor. Or if we can't exert labor or don't have skills or there's not, like now in this recession that we're in, if there's not enough work to be done, or that's what the story is, um, then we become we become dependent on the government or other charities to, to support us. Um, so this way of living makes us dependent, right? I, I have no idea how to make clothes from animal hides or how to build like a summer or winter shelter. And not that I really want to do those things, <laughs> if I'm honest, but I would love to be part of a community where others want to do those things and I can plug in where it makes sense for me to contribute. And, but now, you know, all I have really is my ability to exert effort that others find valuable and that they will pay me for. I have that. I have my, my skills, my knowledge, my effort, my physical, you know, abilities. I have that in a very small community, my immediate family who could offer financial support, you know, if I needed it. But some people don't have either of these things and are even more dependent on a broken system. But even if you are, you know, at the top of your field, um, you know, making a lot of money or you're very skilled and uh, you have incredibly valuable knowledge and skills, in this system, you are still dependent on those who will pay you for those skills or pay you for your labor, right? You're still dependent on them in order to meet your needs. Um, And so... Soon I'll talk about like what to do about this, but I want to stay in um, in this vein of kind of exposing it as much as we can, so that we really understand what's going on and can make empowered choices within the way within this system. So this arrangement is harmful for a few reasons. Like I said already, it makes us less resilient, and it makes us largely dependent on a small class of people who have more capital and can pay us um, for our labor, and that payment is often at rates that they determine or, you know, this bullshit that it's quote unquote what the market demands. Um, It's not usually at the rate that's good for most workers. Um, Certainly historically not brown and black workers, people um, in who had to engage in slave labor. Um, Two, the means to earn wages are often demeaning, right? How many of us had have had to do these horribly boring, meaningless jobs. Like I I remember for months I temped in Boston and it was mind numbing and, and demeaning. I wouldn't have used that word then, but as I grow and kind of see it from now, I, I do see that. I had to constantly pretend like I was busy, even though there was no work to be done. And that wasn't my fault, you know, like it, it wasn't okay to just like be on Facebook openly, you know, cause I had to pretend like I was earning my wage, even though like there was literally nothing to be done. Um, even worse, some people have to earn wages through work that is unsafe or truly undignified to them. Um, people are stuck in jobs that are a waste of their time and their energy. And I think we need to start seeing this, um, as a violation of their human rights. Um, The third reason that this system is harmful is because 
the impact that we have is often not the one that we wish to have. And that's because we are no longer in a symbiotic relationship with nature. That's, that's largely been broken for many of us, especially in industrialized countries. You know, do our wages sometimes allow us to like grow a nice garden or to go on an eco-friendly vacation here and there? Sure. Like, does the money we earn enable us to donate to others or to support our communities? Yeah. But we probably wouldn't even need that support if things like food, shelter, and water were free, right? And locally, communally stewarded in good ways. And I want to stay on this topic of impact because that's what I hear about so often from the people that I work with and those of you who listen and who are part of this community. I know that you are so hungry to have a meaningful impact in your career, to really do good work, to help others in your organizations, to make enough money to create shelter or support for others or for animals, on and on, right? I know you want to have a positive impact on the world around you. And inside a capitalist system like we're in now, we're dependent on wage labor in order to meet our needs, right? So the positive impacts that we could be having often get stifled because for one, you know, we're often left with no choice but to work for organizations that pollute the climate or are solely focused on profit at the expense of anything else. So then, you know, we're exerting labor for places like that, but then we also don't have much energy left over to have an impact outside of what we do for work. Right, And if we are in a position where we can do work that truly does feel meaningful and we're earning our wages through that, that's wonderful. I feel incredibly lucky to earn money through work that I deeply, truly care about, but I know that I'm in the minority and that's not right. And I want to help more and more people have that and have access to dignified work. So so what do we do within this system? It can be really overwhelming, but I, I believe there are avenues for um, empowerment and for increasing the beneficial impact that we have on the world. But first, I want to start by just reminding you that your desire to enjoy what you do and see the fruits of it is natural and sacred. It is non-negotiable. It's wonderful. Of course, you want to do good work and see the positive impacts of that. You deserve that. Everyone does. I consider my work as a career coach in late stage capitalism within a pandemic, within a social uprising, within a collapse, <laughs> I consider my work right now to really be about harm reduction and amplifying the beneficial impacts that working people can have. And the trees are some of my greatest inspiration for this. Um, if you were in my Finding Deep Ease class a few weeks ago, then you've heard this before. But wherever you are, just take a second to imagine the most beautiful, mature tree that your mind can picture. Notice its height, its branches, its color, its fullness. So that tree, simply by meeting its own needs and growing into itself, into what it is, is inevitably of service to the ecosystem around it without even trying, right? This tree provides oxygen, it sequesters carbon into the ground, it provides a habitat for birds, squirrels, monkeys, whatever creatures are around it and need shelter. It provides fruit of some kind, usually nuts, apples, seeds, etc. It has an impact 
simply by being itself and relating to its world. And we as humans used to have that too. And it, it used to be very clear. And I, I believe we do still have that to a certain extent. And some of us can get to have that more than others, depending on how we meet our needs. But uh, it's still very limited nowadays. And unfortunately, our modern way of life often actually has harmful impacts on the world around us, right? But I know that you care about that. And I know that you want to balance that out with loving, helpful work. So I want to talk about two ways that that I'm focused on doing that and that I think you can do that too. The first one is that we focus on harm reduction. So how can we do whatever we can to limit harmful impacts that are happening, but that are also inevitable within a capitalist lifestyle? This could look like making changes in your personal life to be more conscious of environmental impact. It could mean lowering the amount of time you're willing to spend on emotionally toxic drama at work. It could mean finding work that's less demeaning, right? It could, it could be anything. We simply want to do what we can now to limit the harm that you're feeling or that may be rippling out from your work life, not because you're bad, but because you're trying to survive within this really broken system. On a collective level, that looks like changing cultural norms or passing laws that really just like limit and and try and stop as fast as possible or incrementally the harm that's happening to, to us, to humans, to our community members, to animals, to our environment, on and on. Okay, so harm reduction. Um, the second way that I think we can move through this time in a more empowering way is to amplify the beneficial impacts that we do have. So this can happening in tandem, this can be happening in tandem with harm reduction. So again, think of it like this tree, right? The tree that you imagined. It can be a natural process, right? The tree is having a positive impact on its environment simply by being itself and growing into itself more and more. And you have that ability too, to become more of you, to become bigger, to offer more space to yourself and to others around you. So start where you are, you know, notice how you want your body to feel inside of the work that you do. Like, how is your work impacting your body now? Are you able to treat it with respect no matter what you're doing for work? Or are there tweaks that you want to make? What is the impact that your work's having on your spiritual life? You know, what can we do to make more space for your creativity, for your peacefulness, for your flow? What is the impact your work is having on the human community around you? You know, how do you want to make others feel when they work with you? You know, if someone leaves a meeting with you, what do you want them to say about that? Um, are your emotional boundaries with work strong enough that you can really be present with your loved ones after the work day, right? And finally, we consider what the impact you're having you're having on the more than human community around you. So could your workspace be more hospitable to the plants that are there? Do you want to move into work that's in direct service to plants and animals or the environment? Are there projects that you could take on inside of your job now that would have positive impacts on the ecosystem, right? You can tell how healthy a tree is by the quality of its fruit, by the impact that it can have. And in the same way, we can assess the health of our careers by the quality of the impact that we're having on our own bodies, our spirits, but also on the ecosystem around us. 
And that's not to put any judgment or pressure on you because the truth is that many people are forced to do work that cuts them off from the positive impact that they could be having. Okay. It's not fair. It's not just, um, it's where we are. And, and I truly hope that it changes for those of us who have a little more choice in what we do and in the way that we do it, we want to stay really close to this question. You know, what is the impact that I want to have? Not necessarily like, what do I want to do for work? Like, what do I want my work day to look like? But what do I want its ripple effects to be? By staying really close to that question and kind of using it as our guide, we will then grow into people whose work truly is a shelter and a help to those around us and is contributing to the meaningful change that we need. You know, in the long term, we do need to abolish wage labor. We do need to establish an economy that is truly resilient, that is in harmony with nature. But as we work on that, we can devote ourselves to the most dignified work that we can do right now, work that channels our labor into beneficial impacts for ourselves and others. You know, I'm doing the best I can under these circumstances, and I know that you are too. More often than not, we don't really take the time to actually appreciate the impacts that we're having, or we're not immediately aware of them, right? Sometimes we don't see the ripple effects that we have. So before the autumn season arrives in a few weeks, I hope that you will really like, please, please do this. I hope you will take the time to write down the beneficial impacts that you have had in the summer season or, or throughout your life, whatever timeline you want, you know, look at the way that you've supported your body and spirit in this unprecedented wild time. Look at the way you've contributed to the lives of others, the ways that your wages have gone on to support your loved ones. You know, the nurturing you've offered to the earth, whatever it is, see it, see the impact and appreciate it. Even if it's not as far as you want to go, um, see it for what it is now and honor it. And then, you know, let it grow and transform in the upcoming season. The purpose of the Cedar Lodge community that I'm building is really to support people in having the impact that they want to have through their careers. So if this resonates with you, I, I really sincerely hope that you'll join us when it opens on September 8th. Um, I believe that you can have a positive impact on the world already. I believe you are already because you're here and you care. You obviously care about the earth and the work that you do and the effects that that has um, on those around you. So you're well on your way. And if, I, if what I shared resonated with you today, again, please share it with even one or two other people. Um, until then, take such good care. Enjoy the autumn equinox and I'll see you on the other side. Bye.